Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. Political strategists weigh in on politicians leaving the Democratic Party. Is it about the party itself or is it more about winning re-election? Brittany Griner or Paul Whelan, the White House clarified reports claiming the U.S. could get either one back. A vote recount flips a Massachusetts state house race from Republican to Democrat by just one vote. We have the details. A U.S. appeals court blocks the Biden administration's transgender mandate. We have more on the court's unanimous ruling. Senator Kirsten Sinema isn't the only politician to leave the Democratic Party recently. NTD's Jessica Beatty has more on what politicians and strategists are saying about the recent Democrat departures. Last week, Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema announced she registered as an independent. Others are also leaving the Democratic Party. Last week, New York City Councilman Ari Kagan said he was switching to Republican because the New York Democratic Party was moving left so fast he couldn't keep up. And earlier this month, West Virginia State Senator Glenn Jeffries also said he was joining the GOP. Strategists are split on why politicians are leaving. Republican strategist Kevin Seifert told Fox in his words, Democrats have an ideological problem because of their woke progressive base. He said it's no surprise some are leaving the party. But others say it has less to do with the Democratic Party and more to do with winning re-elections. Independent Senator Bernie Sanders says he thinks Cinema left for political reasons, like avoiding a Democrat challenger in the 2024 primaries when she's up for re-election. I think uh, the Democrats there are not all that enthusiastic about somebody who helps sabotage some of the most important legislation that protects the interests uh, of working families and voting rights and, and so forth. So I think it really has to do with her uh, political aspirations uh, for the future in Arizona. Associate Professor Samara Klar at the School of Government and Public Policy at the University of Arizona says Cinemas had trouble with her Arizona approval rating with both Republicans and Democrats. But she notes that about a third of Arizonans identify as independent. And instead, she's choosing to pivot to the middle to instead make a pretty aggressive, um, aggressive attempt to sway independent-leaning Democrats, independent-leaning Republicans, as well as as many Democrats as she can get. Many don't think Cinema's move will impact the Senate very much. Democrat strategist Jessica Tarlov told Fox, Cinema is keeping her assignments and she votes with Biden over 90 percent of the time. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. The White House says it never had a choice between freeing Brittany Griner or ex-Marine Paul Whelan. That's after reports came out saying Russia offered to free either one. Here are the details. On Sunday morning, White House spokesman John Kirby told ABC This Week that the Russian government didn't offer a choice between freeing Brittany Griner or former Marine Paul Whelan in exchange for Russian arms dealer Victor Boot. That's because Russia says the charges against Whelan are more severe. It was clear, Martha, that they were treating Paul very separately, very distinctly because of these sham espionage charges they levied against him. This comes after NBC wrongfully reported that the Biden administration had a choice between freeing Griner or Whelan. After President Biden spoke about the exchange last week, saying they didn't have this choice, NBC updated the piece in question without noting that it was altered, according to archive versions. However, after critics noticed the edit, NBC later added a correction. 
Meanwhile, Paul Whelan's brother, David Whelan, said in a Friday interview that by the time Paul is to be officially released, their parents would be in their mid-90s. It's a challenge. I think every day that goes past, I that concern grows that uh, we are getting closer to the point where um, Paul won't be able to see our parents. They won't be able to see him again. They haven't seen a picture of him other than media shots since uh, June of 2020. So we don't really know what he looks like uh, now any longer. He added that he trusts the U.S. government, that he's working with them, and that his family is happy Brittany Griner has been released. In the same interview on Sunday, Kirby explained the decision to make the prisoner swap at this time. In a negotiation, you do what you can. You do as much as you can. You push and you push and you push. And we did. And this deal we got last week, that was the deal that was possible. It was the deal we could get now. Now was the moment we could get it, and we executed it. Former President Trump on Sunday said he wouldn't trade Paul Whelan for Victor Boot, who's called a merchant of death. In Trump's words, I turned on a deal with Russia for a one-on-one -on -one swap of the so-called merchant of death for Paul Whelan. I wouldn't have made the deal for a hundred people in exchange for someone that has killed untold number of people with his arms deals. I would have gotten Paul out, however. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo told Fox News on Sunday that swapping a celebrity for a criminal sends the wrong message to other regimes with bad intentions across the world. There is no doubt that today, not just Vladimir Putin, but all the bad guys, the Iranians, others who hold Americans in detention, see that if you take a celebrity, the chance of getting one of your bad guys back out of American control is greater. Kirby said they're now in a better situation to get Whelan out because they have more information and that they'll keep working on his release. The notorious Russian arms dealer Victor Boot, who was freed by the United States in exchange for Brittany Griner, has now joined an ultra-nationalist party loyal to the Kremlin. The Liberal Democratic Party, despite its name, promotes a hardline ideology. It wants Russia to reconquer the countries of the former Soviet Union. In a video posted on Telegram, party leader Leonid Slutsky thanks Boot for joining what he calls the best political party in Russia. Boot was arrested after a global manhunt and spent 14 years in U.S. jail for arms trafficking, money laundering, and conspiring to kill Americans. He returned to Moscow after the swap last Thursday. The party he joins was a serious contender for power in the 1990s. Now it provides token opposition to the ruling United Russia bloc while backing the Kremlin on most issues. A recount of votes in a Massachusetts state House race has placed a Democratic challenger ahead of a Republican incumbent by a single vote. Democrat Kristen Krasner is a first-time candidate. She now leads her Republican opponent Lenny Mira in the race for a newly redrawn district. Prior to the recount, five-term Republican Mira led Krasner by 10 votes. That margin is within the legal threshold that allows for a recount. After Thursday's recount, the results flipped to put Krasner up by exactly one vote. Mira told the Boston Globe that he plans to challenge the results. He said that some ballots were filled out in pencil and others filled out with different colored ink and that some had stray marks. He also said some ballots had both a name written in and an oval filled out. Krasner told the Boston Globe that she believes the voting process unfolded like it should. The results are yet to be certified by Governor Charlie Baker and a counsel for review. A federal appeals court has permanently blocked the Biden administration's transgender mandate. It would have forced doctors to perform gender transition procedures and made insurers pay for them, even if they objected on grounds of medical judgment or conscience. The court based its decision on constitutional protections of religious freedom. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg tells us more about the court's ruling. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Eighth Circuit blocked the controversial transgender mandate in a unanimous ruling. 
It interpreted the Affordable Care Act in a way that required doctors to perform gender transition procedures on any patient, including children, even if the doctor was convinced the procedure could harm the patient. The mandate also required the majority of private insurance companies and many employers to cover the costs of gender transition therapy or face penalties. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services' own panel of medical experts acknowledged that gender transition procedures can be harmful and in many cases not medically justified. They determined that Medicare and Medicaid shouldn't be forced to cover such procedures. Research has shown significant risks for children, including loss of bone density, heart disease, and cancer. Religious organizations and states sued to block the mandate. Some felt it would force doctors to violate their Hippocratic Oath to do no harm. A federal district court blocked the mandate from taking effect. The Biden administration then appealed the case. The Eighth Circuit Appeals Court concluded in its ruling that the lower court correctly held that intrusion upon the plaintiff's exercise of religion justified a permanent injunction. The Biden administration has 90 days to appeal the decision to the U.S. Supreme Court, or 45 days to ask the Eighth Circuit Court to rehear the case. The White House did not immediately react to the ruling. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. The Twitter files reveal that a Stanford University professor was blacklisted for arguing that the COVID-19 lockdowns would harm children. His posts were therefore unable to trend on the platform. In light of this, we hear from a nonprofit suing the Biden administration. They allege a censorship scheme between big tech and the federal government. Joining us now is Janine Yunus, litigation counsel at the New Civil Liberties Alliance, which is representing Dr. Jay Bhattacharya in a lawsuit alleging a vast censorship scheme by big tech and the federal government. It's a pleasure speaking with you, Janine. Thank you so much for having me back. How will the information in the Twitter files that reveals prominent people like Dr. Bhattacharya who dared to question the government-approved COVID narrative often found their accounts had been shadow banned affect your lawsuit against the Biden administration? Well, it it depends. Um, Some of what the Twitter files have shown is, as we suspected and actually knew, frankly, from internal documents and their public statements, that federal officials were driving or are driving big tech censorship, that they are threatening the companies, telling them what and whom to censor. Um, So the more we find out about that and the more we find out from Twitter, the better for our lawsuit, the more helpful it will be. So we certainly want to know, you know, for instance, if Dr. Bhattacharya had been uh, specifically banned at the request of the government or shadow banned. What is the relationship between what Twitter said they were doing in terms of blacklisting people and what we now know the company was doing based on the Twitter files? So the company denied that it had these sorts of blacklists and that it was uh, shadow banning people in the manner we now know it was. Um, That isn't particularly pertinent to our lawsuit since we don't really sue private companies. However, I will say it looks as though it could be a violation of its terms of service since it claimed it wasn't doing that. So people who invested time you know, resources into developing their Twitter accounts, possibly with the um, expectation of professional uh, getting, you know, professional opportunities as a result, could, I think, have grounds for breach of contracts claim. I say that with the caveat, uh, that's not my specialty, you know, area of specialty, but I think that there could be uh, claims in that in that regard. Interesting. From your perspective as a litigation counsel, what can you tell us about the Twitter files in terms of censorship on social media over COVID, the Hunter Biden laptop story and other topics? Well, uh, they have been, they've obviously been censoring those things. We knew that, you know, from 
the way tweets were labeled. A lot of people who suspected they were shadow banned based on the engagement with their accounts is dropping when they said, you know, things that were controversial on Twitter, the Hunter Biden laptop. Now we know that the federal government was behind a lot of all this censorship. Um, we have evidence in the form of emails. We have evidence in the form of officials' own statements, like the Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, former press secretary uh, Jennifer Psaki, who said that they were doing these things. Um, but now we also have even more information about the Hunter Biden laptop. Uh, story, which we know that the FBI sort of uh, strong-armed Twitter and other tech companies into censoring so that people wouldn't see it. Janine, can you tell us a little bit more about how Elon Musk has invited Dr. Bhattacharya to Twitter headquarters? Yeah, so on, uh, I believe on Saturday or Friday night, Dr. Bhattacharya got a call from Elon Musk inviting him to come and to learn more about exactly what happened with his account, uh, to search through this, the company's Slack channels. So Dr. Bhattacharya went there on Saturday and was able to do some searching. And he spoke to Musk, who promised uh, to give him even more access. Um, he said he wants to help and he wants to get to the bottom of the uh, government's involvement in this tech censorship and said that, um, you know, even if it's not great for Twitter as a company, uh, we need to know the truth. Uh, this is, you know, serious First Amendment concern, as probably most people know, because the government cannot be involved in censoring people based on their viewpoints. Well, thank you so much for giving this update to us. Janine Yunus, Litigation Counsel at the New Civil Liberties Alliance. Pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. The Supreme Court has agreed to take up the case of a cryptocurrency exchange called Coinbase. The exchange is facing multiple lawsuits and wants them to be transferred to arbitration panels rather than decided in court. Coinbase operates one of the largest cryptocurrency exchanges in the United States. Users can buy, sell, and transact in various digital currencies on the platform. In this case, aggrieved Coinbase users sued the company in court, and Coinbase is attempting to relocate the litigation to arbitration. Companies often prefer arbitration because the process is quicker and less expensive. But some consumer activists prefer the courts. They say the judicial system gives consumers more options and is less likely to side with the companies. Coinbase says its user agreement includes a provision that cases will go to arbitration, not court. A district judge found that to be a violation of contract law. The Supreme Court is expected to hear the case next year. Just ahead, President Biden is expected to announce support for the African Union as a member of the G20. African leaders are flying into Washington for a summit with the U.S. And a rally in Nuremberg, Germany, drew attention to human rights abuses in China. The city is known for the Nuremberg trials, which brought Nazi criminals to justice. More in just a moment here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. President Joe Biden is expected to announce U.S. support for the African Union's admission to the G20 during a summit with leaders from the continent. Here are the details. African delegations have been touching down at an airbase outside Washington, D.C., ahead of this week's U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit. During the event, President Joe Biden is expected to announce support for the African Union's admission to the G20 as a permanent member. That move comes after requests from Senegal's President Macky Sall, who chairs the 55-member body, as well as South African President Cyril Ramaphosa. The Biden administration has been criticized by some as inattentive to Africa. 
That's a common complaint about U.S. foreign policy, but one that rings louder as China deepens its political and economic involvement on the continent. African countries have received huge sums from Beijing over the past decade, lending that the U.S. characterizes as predatory. In November, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said Washington would have to do things differently to help Africa with its infrastructure needs. It was time, he said, to stop treating the continent as a subject of geopolitics, rather than a major player on its own. The United States says it strongly rejects the World Trade Organization's ruling against Trump-era steel and aluminum tariffs. The Biden administration plans to keep the measures in place to preserve national security. The WTO ruled that the steel and aluminum tariffs from 2018 violated the global trading rules. They recommended that the United States bring them into conformity. The panel, they weren't supposed to persuade it that the U.S. could justify the tariffs as part of an emergency in international relations. The cases were brought by China, Norway, Switzerland, and Turkey. A U.S. official strongly rejected the, quote, flawed interpretation and conclusions of the panel and said the U.S. has no plans to remove the tariffs. Former President Trump imposed 25 percent tariffs on steel imports and 10 percent on aluminum in 2018 using a 1962 act that allows the president to restrict imports if they pose a threat to national security. The U.S. Steel Manufacturers Association supported the government's refusal to accept the WTO ruling. They said the trade organization is ineffective in dealing with global excess steel capacity and market-distorting behavior. As the world marked International Human Rights Day on Saturday, hundreds rallied in the German city of Nuremberg calling for an end to ongoing human rights abuses in China. The city is known as the hub of human rights where the famous Nuremberg trials were held. Here's the story. Past and present converged in the heart of Nuremberg. Here, human rights defenders raised their voices against the decades-long persecution of Falun Gong. The meditation practice, also known as Falun Dafa, has been brutally suppressed by the Chinese communist regime. Countless people have been beaten, imprisoned, and even tortured to death only for their belief. We have the freedom of faith, which is for all people. China has also signed the Charter of Human Rights. Faith offers us so much satisfaction and happiness. I think it's very important for people to be able to exercise this right freely, especially in China. Dressed in blue uniforms, Falun Gong practitioners formed a marching band. Their music conveyed holiday wishes and the principles they hold fast to, truthfulness, compassion, and forbearance. Many of them were direct victims of the CCP's campaign of persecution. One of them recalled how the police forced her to renounce her faith using dehumanizing tactics. For 13 days, I was forced to remain standing and not allowed to sleep. Because of my resistance, they force-fed me. They inserted a tube into my nose. I didn't cooperate. Then they inserted the tube into my lungs. This caused me to cough and spit up blood for over a month. Zhao says she has twice sued Jiang Zemin. The former party leader initiated the nationwide persecution of Falun Gong in 1999. He recently died of leukemia and multiple organ failure. Other faith groups in China are under similar pressure. 
Helga Maul cited an example pointing to the Tibetan flag on her hat. If you show that and we show that at our protest and at our vigil, if you show that in Tibet, um, it's uh, considered a political offense and you go to work camp or to prison for at least 10 years just for this. Their stories evoke the history of Nuremberg, once a center for Nazi propaganda. However, between 1945 and 1946, Nazi leaders stood trial for their crimes in the courtroom of Nuremberg's Palace of Justice. The Nuremberg trials established international criminal law, making all people, even heads of state, accountable for crimes against humanity. In the city's human rights street, the UN Declaration of Human Rights is inscribed in dozens of languages. This is something uh, we as a nation have worked on, and uh, I think maybe this is an example for other countries too, to follow this way. Uh, nobody is sure not to make any, any mistakes in history, big mistakes even, uh, and I do not hope that something like that will be repeated now in China or in Russia. And the city's message to those who are still involved in human rights violations. My appeal to the Chinese Communist Party is to please let Falun Gong practitioners have the peace to uphold their faith. The country will also benefit from this. If you really are trying to press down minor groups, you should think about your own way of thinking. I address those who are involved in the persecutions. Whether it's against Falun Gong or the Uyghurs, they should stop doing that because they will be held accountable for their deeds. The rally ended with a peaceful candlelight vigil appealing for justice in the historic city. NTD News, Nuremberg, Germany. On the eve of Human Rights Day, the U.S. State Department announced new sanctions against Chinese Communist Party officials. One is the former deputy director of the Chongqing Regional Prison in southwestern China. He was designated a serious human rights violator for his role in persecuting Falun Gong. Two more Chinese officials were sanctioned for serious human rights abuse in Tibet. And still to come, a Los Angeles pizzeria hopes to reinvent the classic for Hollywood's health-conscious residents. The pizzas here are low-calorie and rollable. That and more when we return with NTD News. A Los Angeles restaurant is hoping to reinvent pizza. The establishment's new ultra-thin rollable creations aren't the classic New York slice, but owners say they're the perfect guilt-free option. Entity's Andrew Thomas has the details on this West Coast attempt at pizza. There's a new pizza concept in Hollywood. Ultra-thin crust pizza served with microgreens on the side. Crustica just opened its flagship restaurant in West Hollywood. Pizzas here range between 380 to 790 calories per pie. In comparison, a single slice of 14-inch regular crust pizza can be around 285 calories. The idea was the brainchild of real estate developer Niall Niami. I think that this is much more than, than a trend. I think this is a new way to eat an old staple, a staple that's been around 100 years, and a way to eat it that is not only fun and exciting, but it also takes away the calories, but leaves all of the flavor. Niami says he plans to expand throughout the U.S. in 2023, and then look to international markets. Crustica's pizzas range from $12 to $18 each, depending on toppings. 
but a pizza called The One sells for $3,500. Made with 24 karat gold flakes and white truffles, it's served on a gold-plated dish, which the diner keeps. Not only does it taste unbelievable, but it also helps others because $2,000, the purchase of that pizza goes to Children's Hospital Los Angeles in your name and dinner with me at one of my favorite restaurants, a Michelin star restaurant in Los Angeles. Customers say they like the new health conscious creation. I love the concept. I mean, the fact that you managed to get all these flavors packed onto this pizza and you're not ingesting a ton of calories is absolutely amazing. It's immediately cleaner and because it's thin crust, it's lower calorie and you just leave feeling lighter like you didn't eat something really heavy. But it remains to be seen if New Yorkers will approve. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. That pizza looks tasty, but low calorie isn't everything when it comes to healthy food and eating the right vitamins and minerals supports, among other things, hair growth. Let's discover which foods help the most. Here's Gina Marie with Strong Mind and Body. A bald or unhealthy head of hair may seem like your worst nightmare, but you may be able to keep the dream alive with the right nutrients. What you eat affects hair growth in a significant way. Hair is always growing, falling out and being replaced, well, hopefully. It grows with the support of several nutrients. This includes healthy fats, proteins, vitamins and minerals. Estimates suggest that people lose 50 to 100 hairs each day on average. Shortly after they fall out, new ones begin to grow in their place. If you want this process to continue, in other words, if you want a full head of healthy hair, these are the foods you need to focus on, starting with eggs. Eggs are a great source of biotin, which is associated with hair growth. It's possible that increasing biotin intake may prevent hair from falling out and improve growth. Brazil nuts. Brazil nuts are an amazing source of selenium, and eating only a few per day may help to boost hair growth. Selenium is involved in the process that makes hair and is thereby an essential component in healthy hair. Just be careful. Don't have more than about four Brazil nuts per day. They can put your health in danger. Next on the list is fatty fish. Omega-3 fatty acids also play a role in healthy hair. DHA is a type of omega-3. Researchers indicated that it can bolster hair growth by activating proteins. And finally, animal proteins. Animal proteins are a good source of the amino acid lysine. Lysine may play a role in hair maintenance and growth. There are a number of factors involved in hair loss, health and appearance, genetics being one of them. But whatever you eat can play a role too. Stick to a whole food diet and avoid processed foods as much as possible. Turning to outer space, NASA has discovered a sizzling planet where a year only lasts about 17 and a half hours on Earth. That's because the planet, formerly named Janssen, orbits its host star Copernicus so closely that it completes one orbit in less than one Earth day. It's so close, in fact, that astronomers doubted a planet could exist while practically hugging the star. It's located 40 light years away and is eight times as massive and twice as wide as Earth. The planet is so hot that it has a molten lava ocean for a surface that reaches 3,600 degrees Fahrenheit. Astronomers also believe the exoplanet's interior could be full of diamonds. And that's all for today's program. We're really glad to have you with us. 
please send us an email if you'd like to tell us something. We're going to put it on screen. For podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. I'm Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.